Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove. And as you well know, um, my partner in crime here at the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, Cavaliers beat reporter for us at Cleveland.com, Chris Fedor remains on paternity leave. But, you know, first of all, we love the fact that he's on paternity leave. I, you know, amazing that he's a dad to a little boy, and uh, he'll, he'll probably want to share more with us on the podcast in the weeks coming up. But good news, furthermore, is that Chris's uh, his paternity leave will be ending soon. So he'll be getting back to doing what he loves to do. And not that he doesn't love being a dad. I think he loves being a dad more than anything. But uh, he gets to uh, kind of come back and, and start reporting in the Cavs again, start traveling and whatnot. So we're going to be excited to have him back on the podcast next week. And now that the Brown season is over, I will have more time to expend on the Cavaliers and the Wine Gold Talk podcast too. So I'm very excited that we're kind of diving into, you know, a new season here. Um, finally, after it's, you know, already halfway over, but, you know, we can't really control the things that uh, are going on in our lives sometimes. And, you know, what's important is important. So without further ado, I want to invite somebody who I've known a long, long, long time. Um, he has covered the Cavaliers for a long time, and we've done a lot of stuff together over the years, um, be it through, you know, whatever, whatever. It's been pretty, be it like Akron Rubber Ducks baseball or, you know, the Cavs pre-LeBron. I mean, it's just a lot of different stuff. So I want to introduce uh, Spencer Davies. He is the writer-editor of the Keeping It 94 uh, podcast at the Basketball News. Um, he is a part of the Professional Basketball Writers Association. Um, very, very excited to have him on. Spencer, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great, man. And yeah, definitely congrats to Chris. Glad that, you know, he's a dad. Now he's been talking about it all season at the media room. So happy for him. And you're mentioning us go back. I was going to say, you got to mention Akron. You got to mention Indians baseball insider, all those good times, man. So good to be on. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, we go way, way back, you know, we're, I think I'm, I'm about to be 29. How old are you now? All right, listen, this is where we don't cross these paths here, okay? I turn 30 in March, and I don't want to talk about it. All right, so you're about a year older than me, but hey, I'm excited for 30. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I'm excited to enter like a new stage of my life, like, you know, kind of done with the bachelor area, bachelor pad thing, like ready to like settle, like not that I'm not ready to settle down now, but like I'll be super ready to settle down and like be Chris, like have a family and all that stuff. So I just got my bachelor pad. So I, I'm, I'm a little behind all of everybody else. Hey, you know what? Enjoy the bachelor pad. It's fun. It is definitely fun to just kind of be by yourself at times and, and do what you need to do. It's, it's definitely a good thing. So 
I'm not telling you, you know, I think that age is nothing but a number, but for me specifically, I'm excited for 30. You don't well, have 40, 40, okay. 40 is the new 20. Then is 30, the new 10. <laughs> sure. I'm down. I'm down for that. I am Sounds definitely good. down for that. Um, I want to get into, obviously, you know, this is a Cavaliers podcast, so um, we are going to uh, talk a little bit of Cavaliers and I want to start with the biggest news recently, uh, which involves Rajon Rondo. Obviously the Cavaliers lose uh, Ricky Rubio for the year, which is devastating. I mean, Ricky brought a lot to this team, you know, a huge friend to Kevin Love, um, you know, a huge veteran presence for Darius Garland. He was playing maybe his best basketball um, of his career. I mean, it's, it's arguable. Uh, given what he's done in his career, but definitely the best basketball he's ever played off the bench because he hasn't played off the bench much. Um, and in comes Rajon Rondo to kind of fill that void. So Spencer, I'll ask you right right away. I mean, what do you think about Rajon Rondo as a um, as a backup point guard for this team? I mean, do you think he can fill the role that uh, Ricky Rubio leaves pretty admirably? He, here's the thing, and I think you have to start with what Ricky brought to this team. I don't think that this team is where it's at in the standings. I don't think it's where it's at in its maturity level. Uh, and certainly Darius Garland is not playing at the individual level that he's playing at without Ricky Rubio. Uh, yes. His impact was just uh, basically invaluable. Uh, this is the team that has been missing a, a point guard presence and a veteran presence of this magnitude for, I, it might even predate the LeBron years uh, for the impact that he's made uh, on these young, these young guys uh, and the way that he's led on the floor and off the floor. So that's the first part. As far as Rondo goes, I'm curious to see the level of buy-in from him. And it seems from the first time he talked to us a couple of days ago that he is bought in. And he's already talking about how much he respects J.B. Bickerstaff and how he leaves all the BS behind. He's talking about how he has a pre-established relationship with Darius Garland going back to uh, L.A. a couple of years ago when they trained with their same uh, trainer, uh, Chris Johnson. So these are the things that I think are going to you know, manifest easily here. But the thing about me with Rondo is he has a, a track record of if he isn't bought in, then it can sour quickly. And that might not be what happens here. He might just be all in here and you know, provide what Ricky Rubio had essentially provided for them. But the problem is, you know, Rondo's five years older. Uh, he probably won't play 28 to 30 minutes a night, if I had to guess. Definitely not off the bat because he's coming off of COVID protocols. And then he's just a kind of a different player in the sense of he's not as aggressive as Rubio going to the basket. He's more of a setup guy, which is beneficial for Darius Garland because Garland's been playing off ball with Ricky all year when those two have been in the lineup together. I'm curious to see how he kind of plays off of Rondo in that sense. Maybe he's cutting a little more. He's already been demonstrating the catch-shoot ability. Uh, so that, that part is going to be fun to see. And also the, the defense. And we know that Rondo's always had a, a really solid reputation on that end of the floor. He's not the tallest guy, but he's got some long limbs. So we'll see how that, that aspect works. But I think it's a wait-and-see thing with, with Rondo because, again, you're not replacing Ricky Rubio, not that infectious energy that, complete buy-in from day one that they kept talking about. Plus you have to think about Rajan's coming over in a mid-season trade and mid-season trades aren't always easy. It doesn't always work out the way you think it's going to work out. But I think with the culture that this team has definitely put into place, he can fit in and he can just right away be another veteran voice that this team has along with Kevin Love and Ed Davis. With, with Rajan, I mean, it seems like he's pretty excited to be playing some significant minutes. I mean, Ricky Rubio was playing, I guess you could argue starters minutes um, 
given what he was giving you off the bench. I mean, is that enough for Rajon to be bought in just the fact that he's playing and, and going to have a significant role? I mean, yes, the Cavaliers have lost four to five, but a lot of those games have kind of been COVID um, induced and COVID, um, you know, they've had to deal with COVID and, and the, uh, the protocols and whatnot. So do you think just him having the opportunity to get into the games and play significant minutes gives him an opportunity to uh, really, really buy in? He's going to embrace it because he's only been playing 16 minutes a game this year for the Lakers. Sometimes he's gotten some DNPs. He's had 18 games played this year. That's, that's definitely something that he's not used to. He's not used to not playing. Uh, you know, he's been playing for different teams for the last, you know, three, four years. He's been with the Lakers. He's been with the Clippers. He's been with the, the Hawks. Uh, so he's kind of just bounced around a little bit. I think what he sees this opportunity as to not only just give himself another chance at, at maybe one more solid, you know, one year contract somewhere else, I could see him, you know, taking this opportunity and running with it just as a mentor. He mentioned to us that he'd like to become a coach someday. So maybe he is kind of settling into that. All right. I know where I'm at in my career now. It's time to, to kind of, you know, let the other guys go ahead of me and I'm going to be selfless. And Rondo's always been selfless on the floor. He's never going to take away shots from anybody. He's not, He's not a high usage guy in the sense of scoring, uh, but he can knock down the occasional three here and there. Uh, he's able to set guys up. Like I said, he's got a very, very high basketball IQ, gets a lot of the players around him to, to be better. And that's part of the reason why the Cavs brought him in. So I think that he's looking forward to playing maybe the, over that 20 minute mark that he has an eclipse since the 2018, 19 season. Uh, that's interesting. I think for him, just because again, he loves the game. He wants to be on the floor. And uh, even though he's, you know, 35 years old, he still thinks he has a lot left in the tank. He told me when I asked him the kind of physical shape he was in, he was like, well, I'm 4.2% body fat. And I pride myself on how I take care of my body. So I was like, okay, all right, well, let's see that into action. And it starts obviously Friday in Portland. So um, with Ray John, I mean, do you think, so I want to ask you with, with, what he brings compared to Rubio. So Rajon, what are the similarities with, with Rajon and Ricky Rubio? And what are the differences between Rajon and Ricky Rubio? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think Ricky's a little bit more attack minded. You saw Ricky taking it to the hole a lot this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. When, when Darius especially was on the bench for a little bit, you'd see him kind of taking over and, and really putting pressure on the rim. He shot a career high 12 shots a game this year. Um, and even though he, he actually missed quite a few bunnies, but he was able to, to make enough of his threes. He'd always be drifting to the left. You always see that. Um, but I think the, the similarities between the two is that they set the table a little bit. Uh, they are going to make sure that they find their guys out on the perimeter. They're going to make sure that they find the big guys inside. Rondo mentioned that already. He's never played with three, seven footers on the floor at the same time. So he's looking forward to that. Uh, I think that they're very, uh, similar defensively in the sense of uh, they're very aggressive and they go after their steals. Um, and, you know, difference wise with Rondo, I don't think he's going to be as much of a scoring threat as Ricky Rubio. There's obviously a, an age gap there, four years difference. Uh, so, so those I think are the biggest, you know, differences. And also you don't know the kind of impact Rondo is going to have versus Ricky as far as, you know, the off the floor aspect. And yes, knowledge is one thing. And that's JB. JB mentioned that as the first thing that he was talking about was, was Rondo's knowledge. And that was going to be the, the first thing that, that his guys were going to notice about him. 
but is the off-court impact, is the buy-in going to be the same as we were, you know, kind of debating earlier? That's the part that I'm looking at. I'm part, I'm looking at, you know, is this guy going to fit right into this as a puzzle piece and almost, you know, be able to, to kind of replace in a way? Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to replace Ricky Rubio nor that production, but I think he's going to be smart enough to set guys up and, and really help out. And, you know, he's probably going to be playing it. Like we said before, a, a little bit more minutes because, you know, Isaac Coro's out with the elbow injury now for probably a month. Uh, they do get Jetty Osmond back uh, out of health and safety protocols. So that's good. But I mean, th- this is a thing where it's going to, have to work, I think, uh, rather quickly instead of, you know, letting it build over time. But uh, another thing too, uh, and I know I'm rambling, but uh, Rondo obviously has a postseason uh, reputation of being quote unquote playoff Rondo. So that part right there could be a little bit more advantageous than what say Ricky Rubio would bring to the table as well. So, I mean, when you say that you don't think you're going to be able to kind of replace Ricky Rubio, um, how much is that going to affect the Cavaliers? I mean, obviously Ricky was a revelation. I mean, he really came in and made that thing go a lot of times and really, you know, helped Kevin Love, who I think now is hundred percent bought in. I don't think that changes with Ray John Rondo either, but um, I mean, how, how much are they going to miss what Ricky, Ricky gave them um, compared to what, what Ray John Rondo. I think that they're probably going to miss it in transition a little bit. Ricky was always, you know, pushing the pace. This is just from the non-floor perspective. Uh, pushing the pace, uh, constantly getting guys moving. I feel like Rondo just is cerebral enough to know where guys are going, but he's going to need to figure out what spots everybody's in. That's going to be tough. Uh, on the other hand, I think Rondo is going to be a better half-court player than R- Ricky Rubio is. I think Rondo is able to kind of control the pace a little better uh, than than Rubio might have been able to. So there's pros and cons, you know, each brings their own sets of strengths and obviously they have their similarities as we just talked about. But uh, the the thing that I I'm looking at the most again is the infectiousness, the wanting to come to work every day, the wanting to make sure that everybody's getting better and all that Rubio proved that in the first half of the season before he went down with this ACL injury. Rondo's coming over from a different environment. Uh, He's coming into a situation where he hasn't, you know, played for this team yet. He doesn't know this team yet other than a select few, uh, you know, people. So is he going to integrate into that healthy environment right away? Is it going to take some time? I think we'll know pretty quickly whether or not that he is somebody that fits into this mold. That's what I'm looking at. Well, we'll see what happens with John Rondo. Obviously, you know, he's playing his first game tonight. As you mentioned, the Cavaliers in Portland, Cavaliers currently 21 and 17 on the season and in sixth in the Eastern Conference at the moment, entering what could be another stretch of, you know, it's a little bit of a difficult run for them. Um, Portland, at Portland, at Golden State, at Sacramento, at Utah, at San Antonio, at Oklahoma City. They had a similar run earlier in the season where they were all over the West Coast. They were in Denver. They were in L.A. They were in, uh, for both games, for both L.A.s, Phoenix, Charlotte. I mean, they went on a long run there. So this will be the kind of the second big, long road trip that they've had uh, this season. and. Uh, you know, Spencer, I mean, you know, I don't think Portland's anything that they're going to kind of be, you know, intimidated by. Portland is not a great year. Golden State's having one of the best years in the league. Sacramento's struggling. Utah's have good. I mean, it's kind of going back and forth um, with between, you know, really, really good teams and really talented teams and teams that, you know, maybe struggle a little bit. So now that everybody's back from COVID, they're 21 and 17. I think they're very much looking forward to kind of 
you know, pushing this thing in the same direction that it's been now that everybody's back from COVID. Um, what do you make out of this road trip and what can the Cavaliers do to kind of ensure that it's a successful one? Uh, well, you know, there's probably going to be some expectations on them because they played overly their, their expectations in the first West coast road trip coming back three and two. Uh, this one, I think, uh, is good because, you know, we just talked about Rondo, but, you know, being able to integrate him into this team on a road trip, I think is, is really good, um, to get him acclimated with all his teammates, uh, you know, on the road in a way, uh, you know, putting thoughts into their ears and, and really, you know, sharing his veteran knowledge of that sort, this road trip, you know, going back to the West coast, it's never easy. Uh, these teams, no matter what, you know, they're hosting all of them. So they're going to, you know, come at them. They're going to be prepared for the Cavs at this point. Um, the good thing is, is I think that this unit is just no matter who's on the floor, no matter who they're playing, they're going to play the same. And it's been that way the entire season. So, you know, I, I, I have all indications and all uh, confidence that they're going to come back and it'll be a successful road trip, whether that's a, you know, three and three or four and two, whatever it may be. Uh, But I don't think any of these losses are going to be something like a blowout. I don't think many of these wins are going to be a quote unquote blowout Uh, though. They, you know, proved me wrong when they went on the three game road trip uh, mid season and won each of one of those by double digits. But I think that, you know, missing Okoro is definitely going to be felt. Maybe we're going to see Dylan Windler get a little bit more action. He looked like really solid uh, in the Memphis game. Looks like those those reps with Canton did really good for him. Uh, I think, you know, being able to have the same contributions from Kevin Love, the way he's been playing, just outstanding contributions off the bench as a super sub. You know, we can go down the list on, you know, the production, but having Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley, in the fold, right back to where they started is huge defensively, but also uh, on the offensive end, on uh, you know finishing those lobs and whatnot. You have a little bit more uh, capabilities there, and then uh, I think Lowry Markinen's got to get it going. He seemingly hasn't been able to hit a three in about a month, uh, but his his defensive efforts have been outstanding. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't talk about. Uh, but offensively, I think he needs to get going as well. With this road trip, I mean, like you said, it's six games. Um, it's kind of funny. I'm on the ESPN just. Lo- I'm on ESPN's website, just kind of looking through the schedule, and uh, it says tickets. And and for Portland, it says Portland's tickets as low as nine dollars. Sacramento tickets as low as seven dollars. Utah tickets as low as fifteen dollars. San Antonio tickets as low as nine dollars. Oklahoma City tickets as low as five dollars. And Golden State tickets as low as one seventy five. So there's obviously a big discrepancy there, and that's because it looks like Clay Thompson is finally going to get back on the floor for the Golden State Warriors against his familiar foe in the Cleveland Cavaliers on Sunday at 8.30. So um, that'll be an interesting game for a lot of reasons, Clay coming back in the Cavaliers. Obviously, anytime they play Golden State, there's a little bit of, of the remnants of the rivalry, even if you know most of the guys aren't there anymore. Just a um, little bit. There's still Kevin Love. Kevin Love's still around. Yes, <laughs> Kevin Love's still around. Steph Curry's still around. Draymond Green's still around. There's, there's still... And Clay Thompson is still around too. So Iguodala. Of, Iguodala, exactly. He's back. Right. Still plenty to go around there. Um, I wanted to ask about Isaac Okoro because it's kind of unfortunate um, given that he was, he was kind of getting that opportunity to really start to play for Colin um, to get in that lineup, to kind of get that experience and then goes down with the elbow injury. That's going to cost him a month. I mean, what is the detriment to him and his development? And then what is the detriment to the Cavaliers or is there a detriment or can they kind of, you know, figure a way, figure a way to replace his production and um, and to get you know to get as much out of that position as they would have with with him in there. 
Well, they're losing their top perimeter defender. And I don't want right. to say that as a slight to Evan Mobley because he can switch out on anybody and guard anybody one through five. But right. I'm just talking about chasing around the guys that are coming off screens and are trying to get those threes off. He stays attached to those guys. And he plays really, really solid uh, staying close and staying attached to team's best players. Uh, he takes those assignments on every night. So I'm, I'm thinking you're going to see JB put guys like Evan Mobley on him, on those guys. I'm, I'm guessing that he's going to put Lamar Stevens on those guys. He's very trustworthy of Lamar. You can always see that uh, when he comes in and puts him into games where he thinks that the team needs a spark. Now Lamar's going to need to be more than a spark. Uh, I think you lose that element right there. Uh, it's just that kind of toughness. You're losing an opportunity to show that Okoro is developing on the offensive end. He had that stretch there in mid, mid-December where he ripped off double-digit game, you know, four games straight, and even had a, a couple 20-point performances against Sacramento and Houston. So you're losing the opportunity to develop him in that sense as well uh, because he wasn't just shooting threes. He was taking it to the basket, going into contact. Uh, he's excellent in transition, and I think that he has one of the more underrated layup packages and, and Eurostep moves uh, in the open floor. Uh, but, but just for more of that, I think that just losing that opportunity to, to get him experience, I think, uh, is the, is the kicker here. Luckily it's not hopefully a a long-term issue. It's a left, left sprain of the elbow, you know, in two to three weeks, they're going to, you know, revisit and hopefully he'll be able to be back sooner than later. But, uh, it does sting to lose your starting for some reason, this guard room just can't stay healthy. You know, first right. it was Colin Sexton. Then it was Ricky Rubio. Now it's Isaac Okoro. So guys just kind of have to step up into that role and uh, you know, provide what they can provide. We're going to be right back here on the one Gold talk podcast. Going to take a quick break and hear more from Spencer Davies of um, we approve the 94 foot podcast. We appreciate him joining us. Um, like I said, we'll be back right in one second. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined today by Mr. Spencer Davies, who we have been talking to about the Cavaliers throughout the uh, podcast this afternoon. We've been talking about Ray Girondo, Isaac Coro, um, and I want to kind of close this podcast. I mean, it's been something all year that we've discussed with, with you know, whether it be Chris or Justin Rowan, who we had on last week from the Chase Down podcast, uh, but Kevin Love, I mean, there's a difference to me between being engaged and being, you know, being being bought in and then going out and scoring 35 points the other night, like he did against the Atlanta uh, Hawks on uh, new year's Eve. I mean, I could have, I don't think I could have ever in a million years predicted that, that Kevin love comes back to this team, you know, everybody's saying, well, he's going to be traded. Well, he's not bought in. Well, this, that, the other thing, I, I don't think I could have ever, ever, ever imagined Kevin Love coming back to the Cavaliers and scoring, you know, a 35 points in a game. Now, yes, I could have imagined him coming back and scoring 15 points a game and maybe grabbing eight rebounds or whatever. But I mean, the other night, 35 and 11 against Atlanta, the night before, or the night before in Washington had 24 and 11 um, in Toronto had 22 and nine. I mean, this guy has been, he's been the old Kevin Love. I mean, what is your um, kind of thought behind why Kevin has been so good. I mean, we know how good of a player he is, but how has he been able to kind of recapture that youth and get his body back in the right place to where he can put up these numbers? Winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say winning is a cure for a lot of things, man. And I think there he won't he won't really admit it, and he kind of no commented it at media day. But I think 
the stir over from the the Colangelo comments from USA Basketball might have had something to do with it. Uh, he just looks like he's in great shape, man. He looks like he's in great shape. You can just tell. You can when you watch a game, you can just see the way he's moving and this physical uh, nature and the way that he's really just kind of you know kind of going around the court. He just looks like he's he's there and he's he's engaged and he's you know healthy. He's healthy. That's another part of it too. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. There's always been some sort of knickknack injury. Uh, You know, knock on wood, it continues to be this way uh, where he's on the floor and contributing the way he is. But I'm even looking at, you know, the dribble handoffs and the quick decision-making and, you know, he's going back to those three quarters court passes. And uh, you know, if he's not going to hand the ball off, he's going to turn around right away and shoot a three from the elbow or something like that. He's able to rebound the ball. He's able to push it down the floor. You know, it's all of these things, man. And even defensively, he's he's turned it up a little because of, you know, having Jared Allen and Evan Mobley behind you at some point. So I think that there's just a the overall joy in his voice when you listen to his press conferences. Like the last time I was in the media room and he was talking about you know, this is something bigger than, than what you guys see. And he is part of that kind of moving this thing forward culturally. And that kind of started with him and Ricky Rubio and Ed Davis. Again, Ed Davis is someone I think that doesn't get enough credit. Uh, somebody who doesn't play and, and uh, is giving his, you know, best pointers out to Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. He has a previous relationship with, uh, with uh, Jared Allen from Brooklyn too, by the way. Uh, but it's those veterans behind the scenes that really make this thing and their straw that stirs the drink in a way. So, okay, I'll, I'll let you, because, uh, you know, I haven't been covering the team this year. I, you know, I've been very Browns focused and very invested in Berea and, you know, that season is coming to an end. So how fun you're right. And then I, you know, yes, I can see little, little bits and pieces of, you know, I can see press conferences and whatnot, but, you know, I can't see some of the things that you're talking about with Ed Davis. So like, you're right. Ed Davis is on the team and he's a veteran and, and he's a guy that's, you know, definitely helping out the culture there. But t- to someone who hasn't been around, and again, I, I plan to be around after, uh, you know, after this week and going, you know, towards the all-star game and whatnot. But as someone who hasn't been around, um, what what is Ed Davis bringing? I mean, what is it just, is it like a, a coach on the bench? Is it kind of like a Udonis Haslam effect in Miami where, you know, he's just, he's on the team, but he's, you know, more of a culture driver and a, and a, you know, pseudo coach than anything. What are, what is Ed Davis bringing that, that bring us behind the scenes so we can see what Ed Davis brings to the Cavaliers? It just, you know, this kind of experience, this, you know, overall infectiousness of, I know why I'm here. I think that was the thing that, that he said when he first got here that, that really spoke to me. He, he's not going out here trying to take guys minutes. He knows what his roles, role, role is. He knows the, the ins and outs of the game. He's played for God knows how many teams. But J.B. Bickerstaff literally begged Kobe Altman to get, get him in here for the last roster spot before training camp. And that, I think, is telling in and of itself of how valued he is and how valued his expertise is and his perspective is. And he doesn't play. That's the thing. Like, you need guys on this team. It's not a game of 2K where you can just bolt in a bunch of young guys with potential and just throw them out there to the Wolves. You need some somebody who's able to, one, help you behind the scenes, and then, two, if things aren't going the way they're supposed to and someone gets injured or something like that, can sub in and play okay. Uh, you know, the game against Brooklyn, he had, you know, six points, 11 rebounds, and then the next night against the Warriors, he had seven points and 14 rebounds. So he could still play. 
Uh, they just don't need him to play because obviously what is in their front court rotation. But again, it's just that that veteran and you know just that presence. I think that is the biggest thing. And he like we look at the success of Ann Mobley and, and of Jarrett Allen, and you know we just chalk it up to their own individual improvements. And they've put in the work to do that. Don't get me wrong. But having Ed with them, I think, pushes it to another level. And it's somebody you don't see every day. And that's a part of somebody in an organization that is, again, bought in. And it's also selfless. JB talks about how you know cliche it is. But it's a true team thing. It's a true, you know, everybody as, as one. Uh, all the sports cliches you can think of, this is what this team is operating like right now. And it can be anybody, any night, against any opponent. A perfect example, I think, would be like Dean Wade dropping 17 against the, the Warriors when uh, they were beating them through three quarters before Steph went off for that crazy, that crazy uh, fourth quarter. But uh, it's one of those things like it can be anybody any night. That's a good thing. You're exactly right. It, it's, it's definitely cliche, but I mean, you know, when you got a bunch of guys that are bought in and, and you're playing the right way and it's fun and, you know, you see Darius Garland developing, you see, um, you see uh, Evan Mobley developing, you see Jared Allen doing his thing. I mean, Isaac Coro developing. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And you're right. I mean, you're, it's, it really is every, that cliche of like buy-in and effort and desire and want and drive and selflessness and all, all of those kind of buzzwords that we hear all the time. I mean, you know, not to necessarily make the um, kind of, you know, the, the bridge between the two, but it's like the Browns were who came in with, you know, such high expectations and, you, those words, I don't know if they ever came to fruition to whereas this Cavaliers team, it just seems like it seems like everything that they're saying is coming into fruition. So um, you got to love what you see from this Cavaliers team. I mean, how much fun has it been to just be around and, and to watch them, you know, day in and day out, just kind of surprise people and surprise themselves. At times? I think it's a blast because I know that they know nobody thinks that this is real. I think that they know that they're playing with house money right now. And the thing is, they do not view themselves as an underdog. Darius Garland is a leader of this team now, right? And he yeah. comes out and says, when asked about you know, their record against 500 teams, I think this was a few weeks ago, and uh, says, I, I, you know, I think that not only we can you know, hang with the best teams, I think that we are one of them. And when you hear that he thinks that they're one of the best teams in the league, not just the Eastern Conference, it's literally in the league, they are on some sort of confidence high right now where I don't know who can knock them down from that pedestal. And as long as everybody is, is going to stay healthy, they've gotten through this health and safety protocol stuff. And hopefully this doesn't need to be revisited later in the season. That goes for league wide, by the way, uh, and worldwide, but this is something different, man. It just feels different. There's a, a sort of belief and it, it, you know, it starts with JB Bickerstaff. It, you know, it goes down all the way from Darius Garland to Jarrett Allen stepping up as a leader. These are all guys that are in their early twenties too. This is another thing we don't talk about. Right. Their average age of the starting lineup is like 24 years old. It's incredible. It really is incredible. So these are guys that are taking lessons from the vets that are on the team, uh, putting them into action and then kind of maturing on their own into this like leadership role and again Darius is is adamant and he feels disrespected when these teams don't think that they're the real deal or when media or people think that they're not the real deal they truly feel that they are 
I mean, it, how could they not be the real? I mean, you know, yeah, it's one thing to start the season like, you know, twelve and or twelve and five, and then go to you know be be at the be below five hundred at the half. I mean, they're twenty one and six or the twenty one and seventeen. I mean, you know, and they just went through a little bit of a COVID issue. Um, I mean, I, I don't see the, I see this as being very sustainable. I do. I feel like you you got the you got great pieces. Like I said, Darius Garland probably an all star. Jared Allen probably an all star. Evan Mobley probably the rookie of the year to this point. Um, Kevin Love having a resurgence like no other. Um, you know, Rajon Rondo I think is going to be a huge question mark as to how far this team can go forward. But I think they're a legitimate playoff team at this point. I don't think you know when when you see them again on the floor against a team like Memphis the other night. You know, they belong. They lost by four points. I mean, it was a tough game. Um, you know, Atlanta, Washington, New Orleans, they lost those games. But again, like I said, COVID evolved. Um, Boston, they're they're in that game too. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, again, they're, they've played teams well, no matter what level they're at. And uh, and they've done it with, you know, they've done it with through injury. I mean, Colin Sexton out for the year. They've done it with COVID. Darius Garland had COVID. Evan Lamobi had COVID. I mean, it just seems like when they're all healthy and they're all ready to play together. I mean, I think the sky's the limit. I'm not saying they're going to win a championship by any stretch, but I could certainly see them, you know, they're right now, I believe the sixth seed, like I said, I think I could easily see them, you know, making a, a little bit of a first round push and then going into the second round of the playoffs. And then this is the thing too, man, like they've lost five out of seven, but the way that this team talks and carries itself, you wouldn't know. And, right. and that's the most important thing is when they, they have the confidence. Right. Right. And, I mean, there are very valid reasons as to why they've lost five out of seven if you look at the health and safety protocols and how they've played and stuff like that. Uh, but they just carry themselves with just this confidence and this, again, this self-belief. And that's, I think, more important than anything on the floor could show. And when you are on the floor and, you know, they come out with this crazy first quarter, I think they're one of the top teams in the first quarter. And then, obviously, when they close first halves on the quote-unquote cavalanche is what people are calling it on Gas Twitter. Uh, but the thing about this is, though, that, that it, it doesn't worry me, but I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. Look at the Eastern Conference standings. Yeah, Everybody right is bunched up. Yep. So they have to definitely respond. They have to keep this thing going in order to be in that playoff picture. Um, hopefully they don't drop to the, to the play-in game. I think that they're a lot better than that, and they're definitely better than what their record indicates. But when you're looking at the win-loss column, it's getting bunched up there. Toronto's getting hot. They've won four in a row. Miami, for however, somehow, uh, reason is above not, you know 500 by nine games, and they're in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. They haven't had Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. They're just you know going out there with Max Struess and, and just tearing it down. Uh, like These are teams. Chicago has really found its footing, got through its health and safety protocol stuff, and DeMar DeRozan's his MVP candidate. Like, the Eastern conference is stacked and yeah. uh, the Cavs did go through the hardest part of their schedule already, but I will be paying attention to this, this, this latter half because they're going to be taking on a lot of Eastern conference teams after this road trip. Right. And this road trip is definitely going to be one to keep an eye on as well. I mean, like we said, six games on the road in the Western conference. I mean, it's, it's not an easy stretch. Yes. Three of the teams are not very good, but three of the teams are very good. So um It'll be definitely interesting to see what happens. Spencer, I want to apologize to you before I said the 94 foot podcast. That is wrong. Keep it at 94. <laughs> so that is for the length of the court. The length of an NBA court is 94 feet. Correct. I'm glad. I'm glad you get the, I'm glad you get the play on. <laughs> I do. Yes. Yes. So 
<laughs> so Spencer was not born in 94 or then nothing like that. It's 94. Keep it at 94 feet, but 94 feet from end to end on the NBA floor. Um, I will say once again, Spencer Davies, the editor, writer, and or he is an editor and writer for Basketball News, and he is with the Keeping It 94 podcast on the Basketball News. Spencer, anything else you want to plug? This is your moment, my friend. Go ahead and do it. We appreciate you coming on. Of course, Hayden. Thanks, man. Uh, just go to basketballnews.com, guys. We've got like exclusive interviews, amazing film breakdowns. Our, our staff is stacked, man. We've, we've got some really good stuff from uh, Tom Thomas, used to play in the NBA, great uh, veteran and awesome writer. We've got Nikias Duncan, one of the best film breakdown guys in the game. Alex Kennedy, obviously a great reputation around this place. Matt Babcock and his, his draft team. We've got the draft coverage. We've got the college coverage, all that awesome stuff and top news lines and interviews and again like just all these analysis pieces so make sure you visit basketballnews.com and definitely subscribe to our podcast network we've got 11 great podcasts for you to listen to so again basketballnews.com and uh if you're so inclined i am on twitter at spin davies i rarely tweet because i don't like twitter but uh that's where i'll post all of my articles interviews and such uh and also my podcast so there you go i love it man thank you for uh thank you for not only plugging yourself but that's a pretty selfless guy to go plug the rest of your company too. That's, that's, that's good work right there. That's, that's some selfless basketball. If I must say so myself, you know, point guard, dishing the ball out, giving your teammates some love. I love that. But again, appreciate you, Spencer. Thank you so much, everybody for joining us. Um, Chris, like I said, we'll be back next week. We'll be back to weekly podcast starting next week. Uh, today we're recording, recording this and publishing this on January 7th. So starting around January 11th, 10th, 11th, 12th, we will be back uh, to a weekly podcast as the Cavaliers push towards the second half of the season and push towards the playoffs. Exciting times in Cleveland. Never would have thought we'd be talking about the Brown season ending the way that it, that it has and the Cavaliers season potentially pushing towards the playoffs, but that's the beauty of sports. And that's what we love so much about it. It's pretty unscripted and, uh, you can never, you know, what you expect, expect the unexpected is what I should say. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Be sure to check us out at the One and Gold Talk podcast. Be sure to check out Cleveland.com slash Cavs. And be sure to add, uh, become a basketball insider with Chris Fedor, $3.99 a month. Uh, all you got to do is go to Cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page, and you will get insight and analysis from Chris Fedor straight to your phone. Appreciate you guys. Have a beautiful day. Take care and talk soon.